You've seen their TV shows. You've watched their webcasts. Now, Partigan and Stapes invite you to Poker in the Ears. Hello, my babies, and welcome to Poker in the Ears. I am Uncle Daddy Joe Stapleton. Here's my work wife, James Hardigan. That be true. And what have should have been a slow news week, a lot has happened. Coming up on today's show, uh, Chris Ferguson issued a video. I'd call it an apology video, but that's up for debate. It is, as far as I know, a video. Short, but video nonetheless. It is definitely a video. Uh, Darren Elias made some news, but it was the good kind. Yes, we like want positivity. Want. Uh, the Super High Roller Bowl is down to the final table. By the time you listen to this podcast, it will probably be over. Uh, someone will have won about $5 million, I think. A shitload of money. <laughs> a shitload. The top prize in this? Guaranteed to be a shitload. Uh, Poker Stars made a neat little announcement about Southern Europe. We'll get to all of that in Poker News. Uh, James had himself a little adventure online poker with the boys from Team Online. He will regale us with that tale a little bit later on. It was a fun day. It seemed like it was fun. I'm a little jealous, actually. We'll talk more about that later. Uh, we finally got him, James. We did it. Well, I mean, we don't we still have right. We hopefully will finally have Alex Foxen on the show. I think this is our third attempt third attempt and look i will say we're closer than ever before because i did send him the hey we're talking to you in the morning message last night and i got a reply to it but he was like hey bro uh the the tournament i want to play tomorrow starts at 11 a.m how long is this interview gonna go and i was like we're talking to you at nine we'll only keep you for 20 minutes he was like okay cool so fingers crossed when we get to that point in the show we will speak to alex foxen uh super fan versus staves now that is a long time coming later on in the show. Uh, we will be doing a quiz on one flew over the cuckoo's nest. I did watch it. Yeah, I well, watched... look, I want to talk to you about it, but I want to leave it until we get to the Superfan segment when we get Peter Grenis on the line and we have questions about that. Instead, I'm just going to change subject completely and okay. ask you uh, how many thousands of dollars did you waste going to this music festival at the weekend? Again, going to see one band out of about 90? Because I'm assuming you went to this festival because Muse were performing, right? I only bought the tickets because Muse was of performing. Course. But in a way, I can like justify the price of a festival ticket by going like, well, I really want to see Muse, but like the Killers are playing Saturday night and they're kind of iconic. And uh, Snoop Dogg is playing Saturday night and he's definitely iconic. Billy Idol was playing Saturday afternoon. Well, none of that matters because, James, as you uh, predicted, I spent about a bajillion dollars on this again. Now, Taking out the price of the tickets. Yep. What I did was I didn't uh, I didn't have anyone to go with me until the last minute. I'm so busy with working on the stuff I'm working on right now. I up until the last minute considered just selling the tickets and getting the money back for them. Uh, you know, two tickets times two day passes was you know it was, we're talking into four figures here after taxes and fees and everything. So I was like maybe I'll sell, but. I've been seeing somebody lately that I was really having a lot of fun with. Asked her if she wanted to go. She said yes. But the problem is I booked hotels way too late. And so, Ooh. yeah. And so I booked a hotel about 30 miles away uh, and figured I could just Uber in and out of the festival. Uh, you know, the, the, the whole thing, by the way, was like seven hours from my house drive. So I drove the seven hours, parked at this motel, and 
trying to skimp on this hotel was a bad idea, especially with a date. Now, my date was not high maintenance at all, but she was like, this place is kind of a dump, and she was right. There was blood on the wall. Yeah. How do you even stay there? I mean, the moment you see we, that, we, we check stayed, out. We stayed one night. I mean, I, I wouldn't stay think- one minute. Yeah, well, we stayed one night because we got in late. You know, it was like 9 or 10 o'clock at night, and we, we got in late. And I could tell by the fact that she woke up at about 4 in the morning and started working on her computer that she just wasn't going to make it the whole weekend there. Um, and so I immediately started looking at hotels. Now, this hotel was still gouging me, for even though it was a, it was a dump for about $250 a night. Um, and so I, I had prepaid for the hotel. So I booked another hotel, a nicer one, walking distance from the venue, but then I don't like to brag about how much stuff costs, but I just, in order to feel the pain here, I ended up paying $500 a <sighs> night for the next two nights. Wow. Yeah. Uh, now, it ended up being worth it because uh, because we could walk to and from the venue. What, I'm not saying worth it, but at least when we upgraded, we didn't have to Uber 30 miles into into town and sit through traffic and stuff. Uh, but the second, so, but once again, you get to this festival, once you're inside, Beers are 19 bucks a piece. A sandwich is $18. Now the food's good because it's like a you know, it's like the Napa Valley music festival. So it's like all sponsored by like wineries and like holistic carbon farm raised chicken sandwiches and everything. So on the one hand, the food's good. On the other hand, it's like $27 for like a sandwich and fries. Uh Friday was awesome. Went and saw music. Saturday was so fucking crowded, James. Saturday afternoon. Uh, that we couldn't even get to the main stage. Uh, like Billy Idol was playing and we couldn't even get to that area, like even the back of it. And I wow. was like, you know what? Fuck this. I saw the band I wanted to see and I looked at my date and I was like, do you want to just go leave here and go see Solo <laughs> instead? <laughs> you see, and the this- weird thing is we had already caught up towards the end of last week and I said, hey, we're going to do our movie special in a couple of weeks on the podcast. Why don't we do a double bill? We'll do a poker movie and we'll do solo because we normally do touch on the Star Wars movies. And also, and I know it's a really tenuous connection, but there are some lame gambling scenes in solo. So maybe it kind of ties into poker. I Look, I know that we're going to talk more about solo later but, on. But, but you but- told me you, you there's no way I'm going to have time in the next two weeks yes. to see this movie. Because I was expect like think look I watched Cuckoo's Nest at midnight last night before this show I was like I just don't think I I has, Super Troopers is one of my favorite movies of all time haven't seen Super Troopers two yet Deadpool is the only movie I can remember in recent years that I saw twice in the theater and like four or five times since then I haven't seen Deadpool two yet Solo I didn't even really want to see that badly because it just looked kind of meh to me uh, but I just this festival was so awful that I was like, let's just get out of here. There's guaranteed to be no one in this theater because everyone's at this fucking festival. Uh, and so I, I went, to, I was happy to go from the festival. I know we're going to talk about so later, so I won't say what I think about it. However, does he table in this, one of these gambling scenes, does he table a straight stapes? I have no idea what they were saying in that scene. The game is Sabak, which is obviously some kind of outer it's been universe before yeah, absolutely it's it's in the star wars universe but it's their version of poker it's the card game that he plays against lando when he wins the millennium falcon um so yeah in a couple of weeks we'll try and get clarification on what exactly hans says when he tables his hand i'm and- almost positive he goes straight state <laughs> and you're just hoping that the kasdans kind of like knew that there was a poker guy called stapes and worked in a reference into the movie 
I would never. My ego is like sizable. We know this, but that I, that was not remotely what I thought. I just thought it'd be an amazing coincidence if this poker scene mentioned my name. Uh, we have to talk about the movie, and we have to talk about the dodgy poker scenes. Uh, we'll also be reviewing another classic gambling-themed film to be decided by you. Um, just out of interest, you said that there'll be no one in the theater because they're all at this festival. I went to see it at my local Odeon, and it was about a third full. I'm not surprised the box office numbers have been bitterly disappointing. The cinema was empty. Now, I think also in, in the UK they're fighting, how was the weather? The weather was because, good. Yeah, well, when, when the weather's good in London, nobody goes to the movies. Of course, but I think there's several factors. It Clearly, and I, I looked at like numbers over the last few years, Memorial Day is becoming a bit of a bad time to release movies. People want to do other shit when the weather's good. But secondly, and we did talk about this when we reviewed Last Jedi, Star Wars fatigue is starting to settle in. We yeah. only had the last movie like five months ago. You don't need another Christmas. one now. Um, so yeah, it, it did feel like too much. Um, but as far as our thoughts on the film are concerned, we'll talk about that in a couple of weeks time. Just before we move on to poker news, one story that I just wanted to reflect on quickly, which is about a different game. Did you see Joe that the makers of PUBG are suing the company behind Fortnite for basically ripping off the game for ripping off the battle Royale format? I did see that, and I, I, I don't obviously. I am not a lawyer, so I don't know what the legal basis for this is. But this seems like a very common thing in the entertainment industry, where someone—it's really hard to patent the idea of a hundred people all duking it out on an island, uh, especially if another company that maybe like is more is better funded than you and has more access to like labor that can crank out like what is pretty much like a better product uh based on your idea faster and goofier um i don't i don't really know what's what's right in this situation what's quote unquote right yeah i mean i do find it interesting though that it's not just the concept of a hundred people playing down to a winner the fact that you have people parachuting over the island the fact the play zone contracts there are a lot of similarities but the funniest part about this story is that epic games which makes fortnite Epic Games also power the software that runs PUBG. Oh yeah, this sort of thing happens all the time in the video game industry where you where you license the engine, you know, you yeah. license like the physics engine or the graphics engine. Um, so yeah, I'm uh, I, I really don't it, it's we're in really strange times now when it comes to video games. There's going to be a lot of uh, uncharted territory when it comes to legal battles over ideas and or storylines and or formats. Um, I guess I, I just met someone recently in the States who, who copyrighted a poker tournament format. Um, and, and, and it, it, he was granted the copyright and it's held up. And whenever that tournament's held anywhere, he gets a commission on every single player uh, that plays this tournament format. So, um, I, I'm really curious as to what can actually be considered proprietary and what can't when it comes to video games. It's sh it should be an interesting case. Anyway, from video games to the game that this podcast is mostly focused on. What's going on in poker today? Now it is time for Poker in the Ears news. The big news is the 42-second, count them, apology issued via video by Chris Jesus Ferguson. Seven years after the events of Black Friday, seven years after the old full tilt went under, um, he decides to apologise for what happened, but in a kind of sorry-not-sorry sorry way. 
and interesting reactions from the poker community to this very, very brief and slightly weirdly timed video. Yeah, I mean, one of the things I'll say is that I feel like there's so many more people having an, an opinion on this than really should. Um, you know, I, I, you know how the internet works these days. People just love getting riled up about stuff, and there are a lot of people weighing in on this who weren't were completely unaffected and just want to be course. mad about something. But let's let's talk about the people who were affected though and yeah. their opinions because we're talking about someone who has stayed silent on this issue for seven years has never said a word, and suddenly issues this bizarre, clearly read off a script, because you can see his eyes constantly yeah. moving away from the camera, almost looks like a hostage video, incredibly brief, and all he's really apologising for are, I'm sorry that we couldn't have prevented Black Friday. Never apologises for the fact that before that happened, they had been spending money from the players' accounts to fund their marketing activities. This was the height of the PokerStars Full Tilt brand wars, where they had Poker After Dark, PokerStars had the big game, both on big US TV networks. PokerStars had the North American Poker Tour. They had the Onyx Cup series they were about to launch. They were literally trying to outspend each other for dollar for dollar. Full Tilt could not keep up and started delving into the account balances. And that's why when Black Friday happened and all the money was frozen, they could not relinquish those funds and pay people back what they were owed. I mean, I think that you're even putting that a little more nicely than you could, James, where I, I honestly think, you know, Full Tilt also was paying out their red name pros a lot more uh, on a month to month basis and it had a lot more of them. And I think that's why people are truly angry is that a lot of this money went directly into the pockets of people like uh, Chris Ferguson. Now it was still marketing money uh, when you pay your brand spokespeople, that's technically still marketing money. But I think that's where the, a lot of the anger comes from. And as much as I would like to, uh, I I'm, I'm not a, a torches and pitchforks kind of guy. It's really difficult uh, given the length of time that's passed and the little substance uh, to this apology to really have Chris's back on this. I, I almost feel like it would have been better for him to say nothing. Now, obviously, from a legal standpoint, uh, they tell you this. Uh, it's written on your insurance card even, on your, on your car insurance. It says, like, don't apologize if you're in an accident. Do not admit guilt. Because an apology is an admission of guilt. Right. And so, you know, I, I I, do think that in this case, probably saying nothing. And what this seems like to me as someone that, who I if I didn't have a podcast, I wouldn't weigh in on this. OK, I wouldn't like it's not I, I don't know what's going on. But what it seems like is, hey, I don't want to be harassed as I'm going to make a am going to have a bigger presence at the World Series this year than I have in years past. Now, he has made appearances here and there, slowly more and more. And this sounds like to me, hey, I want to play a bunch of events this year. Don't bother me. The World Series of Poker 2018 now officially underway. At the time of recording, it's the first day of the WSOP, which lasts for the next six to eight weeks. It's a pretty long poker series. Uh, obviously, on the eve of the WSOP, you always have the Super High Roller Bowl. And I always find it very weird when we're recording a podcast midway through a multi-day MTT. At the point that we're recording, the final table is set. Daniel Negreanu, Justin Bonomo, and Makita Bodzikovsky are the three big stacks. Jason Kuhn, Nick Petrangelo, and Christoph Vogelsang are also at the final table. So when you listen to this, it will be over. You'll know who will have won. Uh, so it's going to either be, congratulations, Daniel, or if that's not relevant, just scrub forward a few seconds. Commiserations, Daniel.
Congratulations, says Daniel. Hey, buddy, nice work. There's my two. Um, Daniel was getting trolled pretty hard by Doug Polk on day one of this event. They were sat at the same table. I'm sure you saw the T-shirt that Doug chose to wear. He's given several interviews on this subject as well. But I noticed that a few people, even those who are not the biggest Negranu fans or apologists, including one John Duffy, saying this joke started to run its course now. Yeah, I, I, I have to agree. I don't know. Uh, you know, God damn it. Like, obviously, Daniel's uh, statement taken out of context. Now, even in context, some people had an issue with it. Fine. Uh, yeah. Look, as somebody that likes to reuse gags, James, I don't know that I've ever buried one into the ground this hard. And also one that is really mean spirited. Like, it's just not... Uh, I don't know. Like, I think it's much easier for everyone to get uncomfortable with a gag that's like not done in good faith and not done good naturedly. Like when I do my live Berea impression, I'm like, hello, everyone. I'm live Berea. It's not me actually trying to destroy Liv's career. This is probably time for me to break this to you that every time you do that, Liv like breaks down in the corner and cries. <laughs> you know, I, no, wait, I get it. Wait, if that's... <laughs> no, I totally get being mean. Um, let's focus on something positive then. Darren Elias has become the first player to win four World Poker Tour titles. We talk a lot about how the EPT only has one two-time champion. The WPT has a few two-timers, a couple of three-timers, but now someone who's won four titles. This was the Bobby Baldwin Classic at Aria. Uh, Darren Elias won 387k plus the bracelet. He was already ranked number one for WPT caches. He's had 28 caches on the World Poker Tour. And then a few days later, he nearly won his second title of the week because he made the final table of the Tournament of Champions but finished third with Matt Waxman taking that one down. And unfortunately, this story flew under the radar yeah. because of the Chris Ferguson video and we've done exactly the same thing by burying this third on the running order below all the controversial shit. Yeah, and also that you know Darren kind of flies under the radar in general, which I think is uh, something to his credit. He's a guy that we don't there there's really nothing to bring up about him uh no controversy no outspoken weirdness that uh that he sticks in our minds for uh this is hilarious by the way when when i read the headline that you know uh darren elias becomes first player to win four world poker tour titles after taking down and then all i just read was bobby baldwin and i was like <laughs> oh my god did he go did he go heads up with Bobby fucking Baldwin? Holy shit. Why is that not a bigger story? Oh, I mean, is he no. taking down Bobby Baldwin? Like, literally took him down. Yeah, he just fucking just you... speared him from behind. And these uh, days no, the they Bo give you a WPT for that. The Bobby Baldwin Classic was the name of the tournament he won. And I was just like, damn, this. why isn't this making bigger news? <laughs> uh, and finally, before we get to this week's guest on Poker in the Ears, uh, you teased this at the top of the show. Portugal has joined France and Spain in the PokerStar Southern Europe shared liquidity pool. And I know that there'll be a lot of people listening to this thinking, how does this affect me? Why should I care? I think this is a really positive sign for online poker. Everyone who was there in the early days, everyone who was there when online poker first launched in the early 2000s will remember that the entire world was playing together. It was a glorious thing. But then, of course, governments start regulating, they start licensing, they start taxing. And in some European countries like France, Italy, Spain and Portugal, they decided to ring fence the market. They would have licenses just for France where the sites would only 
uh, serve French players and only French players could play against French players. They couldn't play against anyone else around the world. And what they've realized is that you very much kill the game because the liquidity, it just isn't there. So fortunately, these countries have come together and as a first step, have decided that they are going to form this compact, France, Italy, Spain, Portugal, with a view to potentially, down the line, maybe rejoining the global player pool. So this is the first step. This is fantastic news for players yeah. in France, Spain, and Portugal. It means better choice of games. It means bigger prize pools in MTTs. It means that next week, for example, there's going to be the Trio Series, specifically for these three markets. 78 events, including a 500k guaranteed main event. And hopefully, it won't be too long before Italy joins as well. That might be early next year at this rate. And then, two or three years from now, who knows? Maybe the entire EU will play together. And then maybe they'll come back into what we call the dot-com player pool. And don't, uh, don't gloss over what this means just by example for what could happen in America as well. You know, if uh, we're able to point to, hey, here's how shared liquidity works. Here's how it works between countries. Here's how it could work between states. Um, you know, this gets the ball rolling in, in a lot of good directions, all good directions. Absolutely. Looking at the East Coast specifically, the idea of New York, New Jersey, Pennsylvania, maybe Florida coming online. You know, this could be a, an exciting move should more states decide to introduce online poker. Anyway, we've kept him waiting long enough. Uh, he kept us waiting, to be fair, when he cancelled on us not once but twice. Uh, very pleased to say that on our third attempt... To get him on, Poker in the Ears, we welcome a player who is having a phenomenal 2018. It is Mr. Alex Foxen. Welcome, Alex. Hi, guys. Thanks for having me. We've, uh, we've been waiting for this moment for a long time, but the good news is that you just keep winning stuff, so you stay pretty relevant. <laughs> <laughs> Try my best. And just to clarify before we get into the things that you've won, there isn't another Foxen, there isn't a William Foxen, you are one and the same person? No, yes, I am Alex and William, uh, there's always confusion about that, I, my legal name is William Foxen, but I've I've gone by Alex like since I was born basically, so yeah, that there's been confusion about that for a while, but that's they're both me. Well, ironically, the first time we were introduced to you, that confusion abounded because Griffin Benja was commentating on your play in the Prague main event last December. And obviously Griffin had just seen you have that uh, deep run in the WPT5 Diamond Classic where you eventually finished second. And he kept referring to, yeah, this Billy Foxen had a great result, one to watch, Billy Foxen, Billy Foxen. And then we're like, is he related to this Alex Foxen who just came 10th in Prague? <laughs> so now it all becomes clear. <laughs> yep. Yeah, that's... Uh... Yeah, it happens all the time. Alex, uh, how long have you been around for? Like, not how old are you, how long you've been going uh, by Alex, but just in general, like, you know, we started hearing about you in the last year and a half or so, but m how long did it take you before you got on people's radars? So I was, uh, I think I started playing, uh, like, really seriously in, like, 2000, uh, 2013 or so, and probably went started playing full-time 2014 and have traveling live it's been like yeah 2000 like end of 2015 middle to end of 2015 so not not i haven't haven't been in in the game for for too long sadly but yeah uh, and a lot of people they can trace back their poker origin to moneymaker or to rounders but 2013 seems like a really odd time to have started playing poker uh especially because it's post black friday so what's the deal with that what what, what happened 
I was like, I was very, uh, very into sports and I ended up playing uh, football in college. So I, when I was in the, in the years that most people, you know, kind of started to make like, like take poker seriously, I was, I was putting all my time into, into football and stuff like that. So I, I, I really didn't have like the time to get into it as seriously as I wanted to until after I graduated from college. Uh, tell us more about the football thing. You had a, you had a, a ride, you were in a, a D one school. What's, uh, what, what's up with that? Yeah, it was, it was, it was a lot of fun. I, I played at Boston college. Uh, I played tight end and it was, uh, it was a full-time job. And then some on top of, on top of, uh, on top of school. So it was, you know, it was, it was a lot of fun, but it was, it was like a lot of almost like torture in some ways too, to be at, to be at school and, you know, kind of having, having like all of my time allotted for. So I really didn't have any, any free time. So I, I, I did still play poker at the time, just never, never very seriously. And, but yeah, it was, it was, it was actually one of like, I think the best experiences uh, like of my life for me to, you know, the, the, the discipline and everything that it taught, but it, it was, uh, I, I ended up having to stop playing after, after three years because I had a series of concussions that, uh, are obviously not not very good for you, and they start to happen more frequently. So I was I was told I had to had to hang it up in that, and that's when I you know poker became my competitive outlet from there. How do you feel about football in general now, given that uh, you you see how dangerous it can be? It's that's a it's a really tough question. I, I think that I don't know. I think I think it's an, an awesome sport, and there's like so much to be learned from it like there is in in many sports as far as like disciplines that you can carry over into your life but at what expense is always the uh is the question because i i I do think that there's no real way to fix the concussion problem uh you just have people getting bigger and faster and stronger and learning how to move better learning how to hit better and it just results in the like very high high impact uh, or sorry, high speed impacts, and I I don't know. It it, it it's going to be interesting to see where it goes in in the next you know decade or so because I do think that it's something that I I really don't see. I mean, they could try all the technology they want in helmets and and things like that, but I I don't really see how they're going to be able to to you know make it make it safe for the people who play, especially at a high level. And I I feel it every day. Like, and I only played three years into college. Wow. Like, I feel my knees, my hips, my my like ankle, like everything is just, you know, not a not a hundred percent. I just can't even imagine what it's like for someone who's like five, ten years into an NFL career. They, like, once they once they stop playing, they they, they must they, like I know some of them are just like crippled. Like, it's yeah. So it, it it's interesting. It's it's really a decision you have to like as like a player. You just have to decide to like basically forfeit your body for the for the game which is uh obviously not like an easy decision for anyone to make for many years it's been my favorite sport but i do have such mixed feelings about it now and and what we know about the long-term effects of those hard hits and realizing that there's a danger that the game will die out because people aren't putting their kids into football teams anymore they don't want their kids at school playing football because they realize the long-term risks right yeah it's crazy i mean i I uh, I played I played pretty much like I played a lot of sports growing up so I I I actually feel like I won't allow my my kids to play football probably I mean I I wouldn't I don't think I would specifically disallow it but I would probably sure. encourage them to play something else because it is just you know I, and I almost like even at my age now kind of wish that I that I had put my focus on on another sport like hockey was my like probably my 
Oh yeah, the uh, the gentle sport of hockey. <laughs> <laughs> Believe it or not, I I never had an injury in all of my hockey career, uh, and. I mean, I like never had an injury that lasted more than a couple of days. But in in football, it was like you. I walked away from the field almost every day with something, and it. I actually think relatively, it's like it's it is. I I know that was uh, obviously not a serious comment, but I do think that it, from a relative standpoint, it is a lot. It is kind of gentle and more like. More well, yeah, you're not a, smashing heads specifically into each other over and over and over again. The the intent of hockey, of although there are collisions, it's not. Um, that's not the point of the game. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, you know, it, it, uh, like, like I, I, there's a lot of me that regrets not pursuing that, uh, more so than football, just because there's a better chance that I'd be able to like continue to play like right now. Now I, I you know, I'm not, not supposed to play any like high contact sports because of, because of my head. So like, it's, it's tough. I, I do see the future of football to be in some level of danger because of yeah. that because i do think like you know the the talent is just going to disappear from it i, I think to some extent and as i said fans like myself are starting to kind of really question our allegiance to the game because this it's 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 not good yeah yeah i mean i i've been talking with like a few of my friends uh from college like like year in year out about how like when the first person is going to die on the field, like I, I actually, it, yeah. some of these hits, it looks like it's, it's inevitable because people are just getting like so fast and so strong that when you see someone who's like 260 pounds and runs a four, four 40, come across the middle of the field and, and <laughs> take the head off like a, yeah. like 180 pound wide receiver. And he basically like flips over in midair. It's like, I, I, it, it, one of these collisions is going to be at the wrong angle, and it's uh, and I, I I wouldn't be surprised if something like that happens, as morbid as that sounds, and that's like the turning point where you know it, it, the either the sport dies or there are major changes made. Well, obviously in poker you found something that is a non-contact activity. I'm not going to say it's <laughs> well, a non-contact. No, I mean, look, you still beat your head against the wall plenty though. <laughs> yes, poker. It's just but maybe more. I was going to Maybe refer more. to it as a non-contact sport, but I'm not going to honor poker with the moniker sport. Uh, let's talk about the results you've had during the first half of 2018, Alex. We talked about those uh, deep runs at the end of 2017. You got off to a great start with the win at the 25K high roller at the LA Poker Classic, followed by victory in the super high roller in Macau. Two final tables in the Millions event in Barcelona. You're currently five, fifth place, I believe, in the GPI rankings. Uh, is, is that something that, that matters to you? Is that something you're watching? Uh, yeah, I, I think it's, it's definitely something I'm paying attention to to some extent. And it's something that, like, that I think uh, I really only have one concrete goal um, this year, and that's to, that's to get to number one on GPI. Um, it, it definitely is something that means something to me. I think that's a really cool element of our sport that, that it, it's just like like reminiscent of like golf or, or uh, tennis, like that style of rating where there's like a world number one current. And I think that's I think that's something that uh, that definitely would mean a lot to me. And it's been been a goal for uh, maybe not number one been a goal for a while, but it is something that I've always wanted to be like higher up in the rankings. You know, it's something that I've cared about for for a couple of years now and to have like a you know, some like uh, reasonable shot at, at getting there is, is pretty exciting. In chasing that goal, how many World Series of Poker events are you planning to play this summer? I am pretty much going to play them all. Uh, I don't really <laughs> know. 
I, I don't think there's going to be many that I miss. Um, you mean all of them as in like every type of game as well? Are you as strong in the other games as you are in Hold'em? Uh, I, I have a few mixed games that I feel really good about my game in, uh, but there definitely will be some, like, you know, a, a few, a handful of games that I'm playing uh, that I'm not necess- that I don't necessarily like feel amazing about my game, but just confident that, you know, as, as I go, I will pick things up and, and kind of, you know, I'll, I'll spend some time before each event like that, that I'm not like super familiar with, like familiarizing myself with the game a little bit more so. And, but yeah, so basically I, I will be playing like all of the mix as well. Now I noticed that you're part of a poker power couple at this point. Uh, is it your <laughs> plan to, uh, to take on the world series together? Do you have like a, t- a tag team operation? Yeah, I was actually pretty sad to see the 10K tag team off the uh, off the schedule. I was excited to play that play that with Chrissy, but uh, but yeah, no, we we are both very taking this summer very seriously and very prepared to you know keep keep each other accountable on a on a schedule and 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 be there every day, playing playing as high a level as possible, you know. And how are you finding that uh, dating a poker player? Because I know a lot of people struggle in that it's like ideal in one respect because they get it and they understand. But also, if you're both incredibly driven, it's hard to find time to spend together. No. Yeah, I mean, we're we're both, I think, pretty lucky in that uh, in like our level of passion for poker. I think a lot of people who are playing poker full time, you know, are kind of doing it because they they've been in it for a while and they kind of feel like they have to or they you know they don't know they're not they don't have anything else like that comes to my, you know, that, that like they would do in replacement. So they're kind of, they, I, I, a lot of people I, I know at least don't have like a, you know, super high level of passion, but that's something that we're both lucky enough to have. I, she's like one of the few people I've met who, who loves the game as, as much as I do. And so, you know, so out like for us, like spending time together, watching a stream or, or like at a tournament together, it's, it's like, that's, that's a great form of, uh, of spending time together. So it, it works really well. I, uh, speaking of streams, I have to apologize to Alex for a second because uh, I went back to do some commentary on the big four, uh, which was at the Seminole hard rock last year. And I was doing commentary on footage that I was there live commentating as well on the floor. And I realized that you were at one of those big four final tables and had to listen to me for like six hours on a microphone. <laughs> so I just want to say, I'm sorry if I ever got on your nerves. I was put up to it by the casino. Uh, where did you end up uh, finishing in that? Uh, I won that one, actually. Uh, oh, well, there you go. You're welcome is what I meant to say. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. <laughs> I do love the fact that you use this podcast, Joe, as an opportunity to just apologize to the entire poker world. <laughs> it's, let's, get, let's get this pro on. Let's get this pro on because oh, I upset this guy, said something mean about this guy, poked fun at that guy's hat. No, it was your uh, it was your mellifluous voice that kept me going through the grueling moments of the final table. <laughs> oh my goodness! Thank God someone came up with another word beside dulcet tones, mellifluous. I love it. This guy, uh, you can tell that BC education has paid off. Uh, one uh, one last question I want to ask you before we get to our game because I know you're excited. You're starting the World Series today, right? Yeah, that's right. Yeah, so uh, I wanted to go, I wanted to go back to what you said about uh, football, about how you you like the sort of the mental toughness it taught you and the discipline and you know you're you're afraid of football going away because you learn some things do you think esports could be a, val- a viable replacement for those types of things 
Uh, yes and no. I think that they, they can be a replacement in, in, in the form of like an outlet for those, uh, for that. But honestly, I, I think that there's, that there's something about physical sports that as a kid, um, just really teaches you like, uh, it's, it's kind of just like a direct, um, I don't know what the, it's, it's like kind of like a reward system mentally. That's, that's a lot more, uh, I think has a long-term effect on the way that you think in, in that, like, say your coach like makes you run sprints at the end of the day because you you like weren't listening or didn't run a drill correctly or something like that like the pain you feel running those sprints is directly correlated to like not listening you know and and it and i think it teaches you more like having the physical side of it i think makes those types of things stick with you more as a kid uh so i do think that in some ways the esports will will uh like do have a replacement for that outlet in in terms of the from the competitive side but as far as like the lesson teaching and the shaping shaping like kids I, yeah. I, like, in discipline, I, I don't know if I, I think that it'll have the same effect. That's I mean that's that's a good point. Yeah. And my final question, Alex, before Joe launches into his uh, patented dumb game, um, you talked about your plans for the World Series, play as many events as possible. Have you got the rest of the year mapped out? Will we see you in Barcelona? Will you go back to Prague this year? Uh, yeah, I I haven't really done any planning, but I don't plan on. Uh, don't plan on stopping at all. I, I, I know there's something in LA, there's like a WPT in LA right after the summer ends. Uh, the only thing on my schedule that won't be poker is I have my sister's wedding at the end of September. And that's other than that, you'll probably see me at just about every stop. <laughs> cool. <laughs> all right. Well, it sounds like Alex's plan is having no plan, which is kind of how my games generally work. This one is called what the Foxins say and uh, it's basically just a bunch of multiple choice trivia questions regarding the word Fox. Are you ready? All right, I'm ready. All right, you get it's four choices, multiple choice. You can also uh, you can uh, Hector a Hardigan if you need a, a lifeline. Uh, question one: Which of the following books was not written by Michael J. Fox? Uh, a. Lucky Man, a memoir. B. Always Looking Up, The Adventures of an Incurable Optimist. C, Family Ties, The Keys to Life by Alex P. Keaton. Or D, A Funny Thing Happened on the Way to the Future, Twists and Turns and Lessons Learned. I'm going to have to go with C due to the hints in there. Uh, (laughs) I feel like it might be a trick, but I don't know. I'm going to fall for it. That was 100% correct. How did I give that away? What what, what led you to the C? (laughs) The irony is, though, Alex, that 90% of the poker pros who would come on the show and take this quiz would not have picked up on that and probably would have said A, B, or D. (laughs) That's amazing. Well done. It it is funny. As I was listening, my first thought was like, oh, it's got to be A. I was like, hmm. (laughs) Uh, Question two. Which of the following was not a part of the original lineup for the Fox Network in 1987? Was it Married with Children, The Tracy Ullman Show, the Late Show, hosted by Joe Rivers, or The Simpsons? Hmm. I'm going to go with B. I could have helped you with this one. I could help you with this one. What is it, James? It's got to be The Simpsons, right? The Simpsons didn't launch till the 90s. The Simpsons is correct. was not part of the original lineup. Uh, Alec? I never, never know when to ask for help. You were uh, you were what two years old when that when that happened anyway? Uh, so I, <laughs> I was born in ninety one. So not. Oh my god, Jesus Christ! <laughs> Fuck! God damn it! Uh, question three in the song "What the, Does the Fox Say" by the band Ilvis, 
Which of the following is not what the fox says? <laughs> that was A. B. Ring, ding, ding, da, ding, ding, da, ding, ding. C. Hot tea, hot tea, hot tea, ho. Or D. Fraka, kaka, kaka, cow. Uh, wow, this is a tough one. Uh, I might have to, I might have to ask for Hardigan's help on this. Okay, one. I, I think it's A. It's a long time since I've listened to this song, but I do not remember the fox saying bra. It turns out the fox does not say So that is correct. <laughs> Alex is now two and one. Question number four: Which of the right. following TV characters have not gone on record as being a fan of foxy boxing? <laughs> what? That's when two, two, hot, them, chicks, I hope. two hot chicks uh, box each other. Uh, which one of these has not said on his TV show that they're a fan of Foxy Boxing? Is it A, Homer Simpson, B, Charlie from It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia, C, Kenneth from 30 Rock, or D, Barney Stinson from How I Met Your Mother? Let me go with Charlie. Charlie from It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia is correct. He has never mentioned liking Foxy Boxing as opposed to the others. Uh, Alex, you're crushing this game. Uh, question five. There are seven questions total. Uh, right. Which which of the following is not terminology that deals with faxing and or fax machines? <laughs> I'm sorry. Foxing. Foxing is what I meant to say. Foxing or fox machines. Uh, is it A, a handshake? B, a cover page? C, stroke speed, or D, flux capacitor? D, flux capacitor. <laughs> <laughs> now, it was very clear to me that you were going to get that question right just by the fact that you're a human being. But again, <laughs> lots of poker players would not have gotten that. Uh, question six, I think your sports background may help you with this one here. The Foxcatcher training facility was built in order to train wrestlers, bodyguards, CIA operatives, or D, fox catchers. <laughs> uh, I think I might have to go with D on this. Fox catcher is incorrect. It was actually a wrestling training facility for Olympic wrestlers. Wow, uh, I fell great. for I fell for the obviousness of that one. I, I, it's actually I a know. pretty pretty solid movie with Steve Carell. If you ever want to check it out. Uh, finally, last question here: uh, the proprietor of that fox catcher training facility was the heir to which fortune? Was it the Gerber baby food fortune, the Huggies diapers fortune, the DuPont chemicals fortune, or the big league chew bubblegum fortune? There's a big league chew bubblegum fortune? <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> uh, I'm gonna go with the baby food Gerber. I think that was B. Gerber Baby Food was uh, answer A, unfortunately, was DuPont Chemicals. I don't know why I made two Foxcatcher questions. I just find that story fascinating. Alex Foxen, uh, I think you, you you put up a respectable performance in the game. I'm going to blame the rest of it on the concussions. It was a winning uh, score, four and three. That's a win. There you go. That is a win. Congratulations. Good luck in this series, my friend. It was great to finally have you on the show. All right. Thanks for having me, guys. It was a lot of fun. Poker in the ears. Adventures in Online Poker! It's showtime, folks! Indeed it is. You can play Showtime Hold'em right now on PokerStars, and it was indeed showtime on Sunday on the PokerStars Twitch channel when I found myself sat 
with Finton, Spraggy, Jamie Staples, Kevin Martin, and Randy Lou playing in a 55 cents $1.10 cash game. More on the stakes in just a moment. But Joe, I want to know, can you succeed where every pro at the table failed? And can you identify which movie that quote is taken from? It's showtime, folks. I'll give you a clue. It was directly referenced by Jimmy McGill in season one of Better Call Saul. Okay, let's uh, just for my edification, let's play it one more time. It's showtime, folks. I, I don't I don't think I can identify it either. It's Roy Scheider and Bob Fosse's All That Jazz. Don't oh worry. Oh, my God. Of course I couldn't fucking identify that. I don't watch movies about dancing. <laughs> Are you crazy? No one else at the table got it either. Uh, so this is the latest uh, temporary cash game running on stars. Split Hold'em came and went. Now Showtime has arrived. Very simple concept. When you fold your cards, they go on display for everyone else to see for the rest of the hand. The only player who, interestingly, doesn't show their hand is whoever wins, which I think is slightly unfair. So we implemented a rule that you would have to show your hand at showdown. And I would say that if this were to ever become a permanent thing, they should they should change that so that everyone has to show at the end of the game. Um, but this was the lineup, Joe. You heard the players. You heard yeah. the stakes. Because it's random. Wait, re- re- I'm sorry. Reiterate the stakes: twenty-five cent, fifty cent. No, fifty-five, one dollar ten. So the reasoning here is it's random. Huh? It's random seating, so you can't have a private table. So what they had to do was have like a slightly unsearchable. Well, not unsearchable, but one a stake that no one would normally go for, which they could then password protect, so that we would be the only six players in that pool and would all be uh-huh. seated together. Uh, I had Nananoko to my direct left, uh, which obviously was entertaining in itself because Randy just does what Randy does. Dude, that kid is so funny. I don't know how you go from because Randy's not new on the scene, right? Like Randy's been around for 10 years almost at this point. Um, I don't know how he goes from being like a mildly entertaining character 10 years ago to being a fucking superstar. He is so goddamn funny. Um, online does it? Oh, because you guys were Skyping also, right? You're on webcam. We were on webcam. So of course we can all see each other. And of course the game was running with zero delay. Spraggy is hosting the game. It's his table. So of course he suddenly realizes that we'll be able to see his hand in real time. So then he has to keep his cards covered at all times, which means the audience is then getting annoyed with him because he's not revealing his hand. We can see it because we're looking at the actual table. That is that's <laughs> very silly. Now, what I always worry about in these situations, uh, what I run into uh, week to week on uh, the other gig I do, is are you going to play against uh, folks who are going to just, you know, it's 55 cents, a dollar ten. Was anyone making it like eight dollars pre-flop? There was quite a lot of three betting pre. The standard open was to anything between 275 and 330, but there were quite a lot of three bet pots. Um I don't think anyone was getting out of line. There was obviously a lot of friendly rivalry, a lot of banter. No one was targeting anyone specifically. Uh, It was Jamie's birthday, by the way. Happy birthday. Oh. And I think that Jamie had a winning session, so justifiably deserved on his 27th birthday. Would you say he uh, had a good day? Have a good day. I would say he definitely had a good day. Um, Not as much fun as two players at the table had. 
So Kevin Martin pulled off a brutal slow roll against Spraggy, which led to him being labelled in the note slow rolling scum. And then Spraggy <laughs> just kept that note open for the rest of the stream. So anyone coming in would just see that was the first thing that had been tagged against Kevin Martin's uh, name. And also Randy, who would pull off some interesting bluffs, but also would then take great delight when people would call him thinking he was bluffing when he actually had it. <laughs> Listen to Randy's reaction. <laughs> I fucking love Randy so much. <laughs> I love him. I wish that that they could clone him and you could just have like a Randy you keep in your house just to like hang out with and giggle like that. Uh, we'll talk about my performance in a moment. We have to say that the big winner after the first hour was Spraggy, who was up like four buy-ins. In the space of, I would say, four minutes, he was back to starting stack. So I decided to pretend that I hadn't been watching what had happened and said, Spraggy, where did all your money go? And he gave this very succinct summary of the last four minutes. Nananoka, Riveter Straight. I made a Thin Valley bet and levered myself into a call. Then I got yeah. slow rolled by Big Brother Canada winner 2017, Kevin Martin. <laughs> yes. And then I lost a flip to Finton in about five minutes. And that was 11 seconds for three buy-ins right there. Exactly. A very succinct summary. Uh, poor old Spraggy really leveled himself because the whole idea of this game is that you're able to use the folded cards as information because you can narrow ranges. You can obviously assess the chance of making your straight or your flush based on what cards might still be available. But there was a hand, and this is not I'm not calling it exactly, but it was along these lines. It was a, an 8-4-4 flop. Spraggy's got like a premium pocket pair like queens or kings. There's an eight been folded. Uh, sorry, two eights have been folded. A four has been folded. Nananoko's moved all in. And of course, he's thinking, well, I have to call. And of course, Randy shows up with a four, a hand which was allegedly impossible for him to have. So he kept finding himself in situations like that where he's leveling himself into convincing himself that he must have the best hand. There's no possible way I can be beaten based on the discarded cards. What a fucking dream for Randy to have a four in that spot, to have the case four when two eights and another four have already been folded. Like, man, you, I don't know. Like, you're just such an idiot if you fold. If Spraggy folds, he's like a, he's a dumb-dumb. Like, you can't. But then again, like, what is Randy ever going to have? That's like just a perfect dream spot. It's, in a, whole new, it's a whole new uh, type of leveling. I like it a lot. It is. And that makes the game super fun. Uh, I have to say that I did manage to keep my head above water. I was staked in the game. I was given a bankroll of $500. And I was told Ooh. that at the end of the game, they would then cash out that $500, plus or minus any profit I made. When we got to the last orbit, because we played for two hours, it's getting close to 6pm, and I had $573, so I've made a decent profit, and from 10 minutes into this game, Kevin Martin, the D-Gen, was like, hey, let's do an all-in flip, let's do an all-in flip, and everyone's like, Kevin, the game's just getting started, maybe later. So we get into the last orbit, and of course, this Kevin is what I was worried about: is that these fucking ballers who are professional poker players, the the uh, the juice, the uh, the the uh, adrenaline of playing fifty-five cent a dollar ten wasn't going to be enough so, to keep these degenerates happy. Of course, as the game's coming to an end. Kevin's now really pushing for the all-in flip. Some of the other players at the table are thinking, okay, so I've got 173 on the table and 400 obviously behind. And what is uh, what has been deemed that you must do with your profits? You give it back, you put it in your charity fund? So when that money is withdrawn, it's going to be given to the Twitch community as a free roll prize pool. 
Okay. So that prize pool could potentially be $573, but 173 of that is in play on the table and so they're guaranteed $400 going back to the Twitch community no matter what. Correct. I'm I look, I will allow it. I will allow you to flip I for decided the Joe to put it to a vote and I said Twitch chat if you want me to gamble with $173 type 1. And of course all the ones that should come streaming along the chat because they're they're sickos as well. Yeah. So so we went for it and sadly our profit disappeared. We had the best hand going in with Ace High, uh, but Finson managed to pair one of his cards. He won the all-in flip, but still four hundred dollars going to the Twitch community. And in fact, the game will be over by the time people hear this podcast because as soon as we're done with this record, I have to jump on PokerStars. I have to connect with Finton and Spraggy via Skype and join their stream because there's going to be a $300 prize pool in that free roll and a $100 bounty on my head. Wow, we all right. So much poker to be played. So much involving of the community. I, um, at various times, don't mind being in the States. You know, not being able to play doesn't always affect me, but I'm starting to feel a little left out guys i i wish i could participate you need to lobby your congressman in the state of california joe get a wiggle on uh, california ain't the fucking problem let me tell you. <laughs> well crucially i will be playing poker again this weekend as i mentioned last week the london mega stack is at the hippodrome this coming weekend friday the first to sunday the third i'll be there on saturday playing flight 1c this 170 pound buy-in event at the hippodrome taking place this coming weekend uh let's talk about the free roll that we run on poker in the ears last week's free roll had 108 runners it paid 137 dollars 50 cents to the winner do you happen to know who won the free roll joe i do know who won because andy cairns took a screenshot of it tagged me on facebook uh which is great i'm very happy for you but please don't do that please don't tag me <laughs> <laughs> i'm just kidding this is that, you know, when he does every person that says congrats, I get like a notification and I spent enough fucking time on Facebook. Uh, yes. But no, uh, that's great. Uh, I appreciate you. Let me know so we can give you a shout out on the podcast. But seriously, don't don't tag me ever again. Our next five hundred dollar <laughs> free roll is on Tuesday, June the fifth. So plenty of time to be prepared for this one. Tuesday, June the fifth, at four twenty-five p.m. Eastern Daylight Time. That's nine twenty-five p.m. British Summer Time, ten twenty-five p.m. Central European Summer Time. The game won't appear in the lobby till fifteen minutes before start time. No late reg. Only available to players in Canada and Europe. The name of the free roll on Tuesday is Showtime, folks, and the password. It's a movie reference. It's the director of all that jazz, Bob Fosse. That's all one word, lowercase, B-O-B-F-O-S-S-E. I'm trying, Joe. I'm trying to put a little bit of culture into people's lives. Ah, uh, God, just with dancing movies, really? What's next? What You also like that cabaret movie, don't you? You're dismissing them as dancing movies. You're just, dancing movies. You're clearly just trying to bait me. I'm not <laughs> going to fall for it. Uh, on the subject of movies, please don't forget the competition that we kicked off last week. Your chance to win a Pokestar swag bag by designing a poster for the fictional movie When the Dust Settles. Please post your best effort on Twitter using the hashtag poker in the ears. Going to close this one, by the way, next week. And then at some point, probably Thursday, Friday of next week, we'll get Finton and Spraggy to judge the winner on their Twitch stream. I can't wait to talk about what the winning photos look like on this audio-only podcast. <laughs> 
that's why we're doing it on Twitch. So at least they can show <laughs> the entries and explain why they're picking a winner. And those guys are getting pretty good at judging photoshops because that's what they did this weekend with yeah. their, uh, their, their, their promotion to give away a platinum pass. Yeah, I saw some of the entries for that. Cute stuff. I The photoshopping never gets old for me, even the really bad ones. I'm like, yeah, that's stupid, but I like it. Uh, talking of giving stuff away, of course, we always have good prizes on the line every week in our Superfan contest. This week's a doozy. One of them loves the EPT, knows it inside out, and would do anything for the European Poker Tour. The other one is Joe Stapleton. It's Superfan versus Stapes. Well, I'm very excited about this week's Superfan segment because the specialist subject is one of my favorite movies of all time. One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest, Best Picture Winner in 1975. A few years back, Joey, I bought this movie for you on iTunes. You never got around to downloading it, and then you lost the link. Uh, We've been putting it off for months, if not years. I finally put a gun to your head and said it's this week's subject you need to watch it before this week's show and last night in the early hours in fact of wednesday morning you finally got round to seeing this film i did and i got to the bottom of the itunes mystery it turns out that your memory is not quite a hundred percent accurate now not that i'm saying mine is any better (laughs) but but I went back and looked for this, and it was actually you got me a 30 pound Amazon gift card and said, please use this for either One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest or Singing in the Rain. Ah. And, in, and in both of our minds, you had gifted me Cuckoo's Nest and Singing in the Rain. So I went and clicked that link for the, and I hadn't even activated the credit. So there was 30 pounds that I added to my Amazon last night from a from a birthday message from 2013 my god five years ago yeah back when you were 38 years old back when i was only 38 when i was still in my late 30s and uh so i didn't actually use the credit for that because i did buy it on itunes now that's the funny part of the story the part of the story you're not going to find as funny is i what am i supposed to get from this movie like, I didn't understand if now because the movie's from a different era, right? Yes. Um, I mean, it's made, it made to, in the 70s and set in the late 50s, early 60s. Right. Set in 1963. Um, and it was made in the 70s. So what I wasn't supposed to what I what I didn't get was that, like, was was Jack Nicholson's character supposed to be heroic? No, he's an, or, he's very much an anti-hero, although you're meant to come around to his way of thinking. It's an anti-establishment movie. And again, you have to think about the era. This is in yeah. the wake of Watergate. This is in the wake of Vietnam. It's very much embodying that sentiment that was very uh, prevalent in American society in the m- mid-1970s. But who doesn't love a rebel? Who doesn't love someone who stands up to an authoritarian regime that makes no sense? It, it, okay, so... <laughs> You know me, James, and you know where my politics lie. And I'm not—I'm no fan of authoritarians. Um, I get. By the way, spoilers, guys. There's, I'm going to have to talk spoilers to talk about this movie. So tune out if you don't want spoilers about this movie from a hundred years ago. Um, the the authoritarian regime didn't seem that bad to me. But Nurse again, Ratched, 
Exactly, but that's the whole point. She is well-meaning, even if in her actions actually causes horrific things to happen. You can hate her, but at the same time, she's not like overly villainous. She's not like dark and foreboding. Many of the people, many of the doctors mean well, but, you know, for example, using ECT as a form of punishment rather than as a form of therapy... Sure. Like that at, at that point, then you're like, okay, I can despise this regime. I can um I can be like, wow, this is truly horrific. Up until that point, everyone seemed pretty reasonable. Her demanding that he like get a majority vote for them to rearrange the whole hospital schedule seemed pretty reasonable. Also, his reasons for being there, which was to like fake mental illness so that he didn't have to serve jail time, also uh, I was like, this is not a, a sympathetic character. But that's the point. He is not your average hero. She is not your average villain. It's very much shades of grey rather than black and white. But what it exposes is a society where these people have voluntarily committed themselves to this institution because they feel that they don't fit in. And the film is questioning why these people feel the need to be sealed off in an environment that's clearly not helping them, with a form of therapy that is clearly not going to help their mental progress. And there, that whole idea of, of wanting to break free, wanting to get out, and the, the, the way in which he comes in, shakes things up, the way in which he inspires certain people, and what I think is one of the most powerful, bittersweet endings of any film, which... It moves me more than any film I think I've ever seen where it's both tragic and also heroic because he doesn't make it, but the chief is finally given that inspiration to break free. Yes, I think the ending is excellent. I really love the ending. I thought that uh, I, I didn't quite buy that they would have uh, punished him to that extent that uh, to, as to give him a, a full lobotomy, but hey, maybe things were pretty barbaric back then and archaic so again with the um, theme of conformity the actions that they took very much fit and then but i also again i found him to be least sympathetic when uh, when billy uh ends up being the victim of this and sort of we're, we're all supposed to blame the establishment but i felt like uh, uh jack uh mac was as much to blame uh for billy's death as anybody because uh this whole rebellion was his fault yeah and i'm sure he's feeling a, an element of guilt as well as an element of anger towards nurse ratchet when he basically takes that action at the end of the film now the one uh funny like little connection to this is i don't remember do you remember uh we have a very strong like a two degree connection to this movie james and that this was brad doris first movie yeah who, who plays Billy, uh, who is in all the Chucky movies <laughs> with, with Jennifer Tilly. Wow, this is how we've come full circle. And do you remember that I, when Jennifer was talking about Brad's daughter, Fiona, being in the latest movie, um, and I was like, oh, is she single? And Jennifer's like, yes, she is. I ended up matching with Fiona Dorif on Bumble uh, and then wrote to Jennifer and said, hey, remember we were talking about Fiona on the show? Well, guess what? We're Bumble matches now. Can you put in the good word for me? And Jennifer wrote me back, and she's like, I, I, I did, but actually uh, Fiona says you're not her type. So, And then the match on Bumble, if they don't write to you within 24 hours, the match disappears. I almost went on a date. 
Joe. With the daughter of the guy from this movie. You've taken what was a reasonably intelligent discussion of one of the cinematic <laughs> greats and spun this into I yet another Joe Stapleton fuck-up dating story. Yes, I know, except I didn't get the chance to fuck it up. I fucked it up in my profile and with my face this time rather than with the things I said. Um, ultimately, I... Uh, even though I didn't, I, I had so many questions that I like didn't get it, and I, I feel bad about that because I I wasn't sure what I was supposed to to feel or think, and I know that that's a dumb way to go about watching a movie. Going like, well, what am I supposed to feel and think here? But uh, you know, a lot of times that happens when movies are made in different generations, and so some of the times, uh, you know, I will see this all the time where these antiheroes in movie are actually. Like, kind of despicable characters in our um in our present society um but i will say that the performances in this movie are incredibly touching and are heartbreaking and i can't believe that like danny devito for example um i would have thought he was full uh and having watched this i i didn't you know if i didn't know better i would have never thought that he would have gone on to like have a of like a great comedy career uh, after this movie. And so many of the performances are, are just are heartbreaking. Yeah. I think uh, two things I would say, Joe, first is that it it's probably quite a multi-layered complex film and is deserving of a second viewing. This is not me trying to push you into watching it again, but also yeah. maybe it does need to be revisited at a point where you're not being forced to watch it to prepare for a quiz on a podcast. I mean, that that's part of it also, you know, and I, I hate that it, I, I love the fact that I finally was forced to see this movie on the one hand on the yeah. other um you know it was midnight after i had worked a 20 hour day and uh, you know it's, it wasn't a chore by any means but would i have chosen to watch it from midnight till 2 30 in the morning on a on a tuesday night probably not okay well let's see what our super fan thinks of this movie because he volunteered remember we picked the subject this guy decided he was going to answer questions about cuckoo's nest to try and win a 109 euro ept barcelona satellite ticket please say hello to superfan peter thanks for having me on guys peter what 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 you you spell your name kind of funny well not i mean funny for you but funny for me what what is the derivation of that where are you from uh, i'm from norway Oh, you're from Norway. Oh, my goodness. So, James, I don't know if you remember this or not, but when I lived in uh, London, I obviously had uh, a lot of interactions with various people. From Joe, Joe, I cannot yeah. sit through another dating story. I can't do it's two a, within five minutes. All I'm saying is that the Norwegians were my favorite. They had the best sense of humor. They, uh, they just were the most fun in my interactions, my limited interaction with quote-unquote idiots from Northern Europe. Norway <laughs> was my favorite. And of course, being Norwegian, Peter, you must be a poker genius. You probably have a bankroll of five million by this point in your life. Yeah, because everybody here in Norway, we're always like three betting, four betting, five betting, <laughs> six betting. So, <laughs> Well, that was the cliche back in 2004. And to be fair, that was an accusation that you direct more, more at the Swedes than the Norwegians. But obviously, I mean, you guys now have uh, the Norwegian championships, uh, sometimes which actually take place in Norway as well as Ireland. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right now we have two. So I just played like the regional one last week, actually, uh, because since poker is not technically legal, we can only play like the like the championship and the regional championships here in Norway. James, is it, isn't that isn't that guy we really love who gets shit faced during uh, poker tournaments Norwegian also? Which one? The big yeah. bald guy. Oh, Morton Klein. Yeah, he I, might I think be. It, 
I think everybody, every Norwegian gets drunk while playing poker, especially live. That is probably true. You do the same, Petter? Peter? <laughs> of course, of course not. I'm a professional. <laughs> you okay? So tell us about yourself. You're you're a professional drinker, a professional poker player, or both? Uh, I'm a professional drinker. Uh, no, I'm uh, I'm a sales manager uh, for a company here in uh, Oslo, and play poker recreationally, mostly home games. What do you sell? Uh, everything. What do you need? What doesn't he need? I got a lot of money to burn. I mean, I could use probably an education, um, <laughs> some life coaching. Do you sell any of those things? Uh, no, we mostly stick to uh, wireless uh, internet, electricity companies, uh, like food, uh, something like that. That is a pretty, uh, yeah, that is a, a wide range of things to be selling. Yeah, it's a, it's a medium-sized company, you can say. I feel like he's being coy, James. I feel like this is like he's like he's like the CEO of like fucking uh, Apple or something in Norway. Uh, Peter, you probably think you're going to get an easy ride here because you know how this normally works is uh, there's questions about a movie or a TV show or something poker related and Joe just absolutely gets trounced. Here's the thing. As we've just talked about, Joe watched this movie within the last 12 hours. How good is your recollection of One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest? That uh, worries me, but uh, <laughs> and no, I, as I wrote in my tweet, I actually haven't watched it because my fiance have been nagging on me for so long to watch it. So I figured it was a, it was a good chance to, to get to watch it and come on your show. And what did you think of the movie? Because Joe was kind of like not sure what to think. Uh, I actually thought it was uh, pretty great. Uh, Correct uh, answer. Chances are you're yeah. going to win. I'll, <laughs> I may rig the quiz in your favor. Uh, Peter's on the board. What the nothing. <laughs> now I might a, need those points. Uh, and w especially as this is a Hartigan quiz, not an intern quiz. So uh, but I'm not saying that it's going to be that easy. Uh, there are three separate rounds in this quiz. Only one of them contains multiple choice questions, but one of them is a true or false round. So it's a coin flip. Uh, but the first round is called Who Plays? And it's basically if you were able to identify or spot who played who in the movie. Um, so here's the thing, Peter. You are the super fan. You're our guest. You can decide whether to take odd questions or even questions. Do you want to go first or second? Since I'm very bad at the actors, I think I go second there. Okay, Joe, you get the first question then. In One Flow of the Cuckoo's Nest, who plays Martini? Shoot, Martini. I regret I want to go first. <laughs> Martini is played by Danny DeVito. Correct for a point. And there's a bonus question. You might remember him as the penguin in... Batman Returns. Correct for a bonus point. Uh, Peter, your first question. Who plays Tabor? Oh, that's uh, Tabor. That's the one from uh, Back to the Future. It's Christopher Lloyd. And you just nailed the bonus point as well. That's two points to the superfan. Uh, Joe, I think you'll get this one. Who, because we just talked about it in nauseating detail, who plays Billy Bibbit? <laughs> Brad Dourif. You may remember him as the consumptive doctor in... Oh, in uh, Tombstone. No, you can steal, uh -oh. Peter. I have no idea. I thought Joe would nail this. It's one of his favorite TV shows, Deadwood. Oh, Deadwood, right. Sorry. Ah, the right genre. <laughs> Peter, who plays Turkle? This is a hard one. I'll give you that. Yeah, I'll, I'll have to take a pass on this one. Okay, uh, that's all right. Uh, Joe, do you know? 
Scatman Carruthers. Correct. So Joe steals a point, but you still get the bonus question, Peter. Okay. You might remember him as the psychic caretaker in... Nah. Pass. Joe? The Shining. Correct. And after the first round, Joe has a 5-2 lead. So, oh you get the chance to mix things up here, Peter. You can go first or second, odd or even. The second it's round fucking is fucking amazing. It's amazing, fucking amazing how good at these quizzes I am when I watch the movie. I know. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, I, I should have gone first last time, so I go second this time as well. Okay. Now, Joe, there are multiple choice options available here. So, it's two points if you don't take the options, one point if you need the choices. What is Nurse okay. Ratchet's first name? I'll take the choices. Is it Mildred, Margaret, Miriam, or Maureen? She has called Mildred at least once, so I'm going to go with that. That is correct for one point. Peter, same rules apply. Two points if you don't need the options. What crime did McMurphy commit? Uh, it was a couple of one, but I think it was uh, sexual assault. I'm going to give it to you. It was statutory rape, which is a form of oh, sexual okay. assault. So you get two oh. points, as previously discussed. Anti-hero. Joe, why does McMurphy say he was sent to the hospital from prison? He says... Uh, I, hold on, I'm going to talk it out for a second. Maybe I'll go with the choices. But he says he was sent to the hospital. Uh, I think I'll know when I hear it. Go on. Biting prison guards. Fighting and fucking too much. Stealing cigarettes from the other inmates. Masturbating in the showers. Fighting and fucking too much. For one point. And the final question of this round. Peter, along with McMurphy and Chief Bromden, which character is punished with ECT? Oh, that was uh, the one that helped. It was Cheswick. It was Cheswick for two points. You have a one-point lead, Joe Stapleton, going into the final round, which is the oh coin flip round. <laughs> I need to I need to savor this forever. <laughs> it's true or false facts about the film. And again, I will give you the option, Peter, of going first or second, taking the odd questions or the even questions. Uh, let's finish up strong. Let's go second, third time. Okay. So, Joe, true or false? The film was shown in Swedish cinemas between 1975 and 1987. Oh, my God. <laughs> That's so ridiculous. It has to be true. It is true for a point. True or false, Peter? This is Ron Howard's favourite film. Uh, yeah, let's go true. It is true. Joe, true or false, Jack Nicholson was paid a record $4.4 million for playing McMurphy. False. It is false. That was the total budget of the movie. He actually <laughs> took minimum wage, took points on the gross, which worked out very well for him. 120, just 120 million just in the US. And finally, Peter, producer Michael Douglas makes a cameo appearance as a guard. True or false? Um, let's go false. It is false, which means you end with a score of eight points. But Joe Stapleton scored nine points for the first oh, time in what seems like forever. Joe has won a round of Superfan versus Stapes, which means, Peter, we can't give you the ticket, but I will make sure you get a good consolation prize. It is one of the last Everyone Loves a Chop Pot hoodies that we have in the store. We'll get that in the post to you and send it to Norway. 
Uh, that's more than enough, guys. Uh, so fun to be on when uh, Joe actually won one. So <laughs> it's been a long time since. You've made fucking history, my friend. <laughs> Peter, we wish you best of luck in your poker endeavors. Thank you for joining us on the show. Thank you for having me on, guys. All right, my babies, that is almost all the time we've got for this week's show. We'll be back again next week with some Platinum Pass updates. We'll be speaking with two recent Platinum Pass winners, including the guy who took down the free roll we ran during EPT Monte Carlo livestream. Man, that was exciting. We have the final table going on, the free roll for the Platinum Pass. Then there's always this moment where they're like, okay, the free roll's over, but we got to verify that everything was on the up and up about the winner, but it's all done now, right? Yes, he is verified. He's got his Platinum Pass. He's going to be on the show next week, along with uh, a guy who bagged his Platinum Pass in NJ Coop. Wow, excellent. Very an good. American. We get to talk to an American. Yes. Yeah. Uh, Wonderful. Joe, just so you know ahead of time, if yeah. you can squeeze it in, next yeah. week's Superfan subject is The Fugitive. So hold on. I, let's do like a little Fugitive parody here really quick. This is going to be next, be me next week. James. But I didn't get a chance to watch The Fugitive. I don't care. <laughs> we did not set that up ahead of time. You knew exactly where I was going with it. Uh, um, I do like, I, look, I like having the movie assignments because it's always like an excuse for me to be like, hey, girl, if you want to come over, like, I got to watch this movie for work. And like, no know, more dating to, stories. I would love to take you out. But like, I really I have to for work. So if you just want to like come over and like watch a movie, thanks. So in two weeks' time, we will do another gambling movie review, and yes. we're going to have a poll, probably run it on at Pokestars TV, so make sure you follow that, although I'm sure Joe and I will retweet it. Uh, we're going to let you guys pick which movie we review alongside Solo. Uh, by the way, thank you for all your tweets over the course of the last week. Hashtag poker in the ears. Um, a running theme of recent weeks has been people spotting music that we use on this podcast <laughs> in other TV shows and commercials. Uh, Sean McCarthy says was watching Tricks of the Restaurant Trade on Channel 4 last night. Noticed they used Joe's music for his guest games on one of their segments. First the Amazon Fire Stick ad, then John Oliver on Last Week Tonight, now Simon Rimmer on this. I mean, I like how they call it Joe's music. It was definitely composed and uh, <laughs> written by me. Uh, yeah, you know, we're not the only show that needs to save money on music from time to time. So you're going you're gonna, to you're gonna hear those things elsewhere. Uh, a very nice tweet from Simon Baker, not the mentalist. Just came up on my Facebook memories that it's been three years since I recorded my segment on Superfan vs. Stapes. Such a good podcast with poker talk, movie reviews, quizzes and anecdotes. Check it out. Excellent. Thanks, Simon. Great. It's, it's been a long, almost friendship. And then a series of tweets from Christian Toms. Last week's superfan, Stephen Paletta, you remember he talked about binging the podcast. He is yeah. not the only one. So Christian says, bravo to James and Joe for another hilariously great podcast. Still furiously catching up on the back catalogue. 56 to go. Hashtag fun times. Follow up hashtag, tweets. Has, hashtag sarcasm. No, no, no. <laughs> See if you remember this reference. Ah, whacking the leak. Classic podcast. Was that when Daniel peed on stream? No, whacking the leak. I think this is a reference to uh, the EPT media event that we don't like to talk about anymore, where I had the leak and was whacking my leak on the table when I got 
Oh, the right. The the one that was been removed from YouTube. That one. <laughs> that one. And finally, from Christian Toms. Hello, Poker in the Ears fans. Always remember to follow your rainbow. Still laughing hard as I catch up. Strange looks on morning commute. Remember this? We were going to make it a thing. We have all these things that we want to make a thing, and then we never make it a thing anymore. We just move on to the next thing. We need a new thing. Well, come up with something. You got seven days. I got seven whole days to watch The Fugitive. In those seven days, we are going to need you guys to subscribe, comment, and like in whatever particular platform you listen to this podcast in. And also, here's something we've never asked before. Uh, you got poker friends? Have them give the show a listen. It's a fun show. Uh, Christian would agree. He's been binging it. So uh, tell your friends it's not too late to catch up on the show, and then maybe we can all have a thing together. But, however, that is all the time we have got for this week's show. Until next time, for James Hardigan, I am Joe Stapleton saying, smell you later. Ha, 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 ha.